Okay. You're there, you're on, you're in. Awesome. Go for it. Okay, welcome everybody to the sixth uh, chat of the Havana sessions. And yeah, we're just, I've already finished my cheesecake, you'll be glad to know. Oh, you got the and cheesecake. That, I gotta get into the cheesecake. I haven't had any. They've got cake the deal, today. you know, so. Oh, you is that gotta the deal? Go Am I missing it. out on the deal? I think you are. All right. <laughs> you got your coffee, though, so that's the I've got my thing. coffee at Havana. Um, yes, and I'm, I'm super psyched about this episode number six because we wanted to kind of bring it back down to a sort of personal level and, and look at our, our individual journeys as we've come to where we've come to now and any, and the obstacles that we've had to overcome and deal with and to get to where we are right yeah, now. So. I saw this great um, little meme picture that was like what we think success looks like and had, you know, kind of a straight upward arrow. And then it was like what success actually looks like. And it was just like the mo- it was like five year old or no like two year old scribble, oh, yes. and, you know, with the arrow eventually going up, you know, still success, but where you know how because it's not a necessarily a straight journey, and and I think because I mean what's interesting, and we'll share this with the listeners because people might not know this, and that well just what well, you'll know from our voice perhaps that you know you've got two Americans that are here in 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 Limington Spa. England, of all places, and I guess the question I would have you: Did you, when you were a kid, or even when you were a teenager, did you imagine that you'd be sitting in the basement of a cafe in England and, and as a resident living here? No, never. No. And I'll tell you, I'm, the reason I got dragged across the ocean from my native Florida home was um, that I was studying abroad during university and met my husband, who's Scottish. And he, he came over after he graduated. He came over to Florida while I was finishing my degree. And uh, then he got this job opportunity. It was just six months. He's like, oh, you want to go to Cambridge? Six months, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, yeah, great. I'm just graduating. What else have I got to do? Let's go live in England for six months. That sounds great. And, uh, yeah, I've never left. <laughs> You know what's fascinating about that is because the universe, the universe has has, must has been trying to bring us together for a reason, and I'll and and I'll say that because I was only supposed to be here for six months as well. So my wife's British, so um, and we met in the states. She was over for a a year doing the the nanny aspect, and we met at West Point. Um, But then I got the opportunity to come work over here. She was, in fact, she was here visiting her mom, and then I got this opportunity when I was working for Merrill to come over here and, and put this joint venture together. And it was only supposed to be for six months. Uh-huh. So and beware, yeah, exactly. beware of the six month, and six now it's well, fourteen years later on, and I'm I'm actually still here. Um, but yeah, so I, it was just fascinating that you know all those different factors that have kind of led us up to this this space. So we were talking before um, as we were kind of relaxing, getting ready. For for the podcast in terms of like you have a really clear idea about what it is that you want to do I think we talked last week about your purpose and and writing is one of the things that really drives you Um, and you've had a path that you've had to walk so far to get where you are to have your first novel published and what were some of the obstacles that you've had to overcome to get to that to get to where you are now where you feel kind of confident and and grown into yourself as a as a writer 
I suppose there's a couple of things in terms of my, if I look back on my life, like how did I get here? And some of it's about being a writer and some of it's just all the different threads of your life that, you know, happen. And um, I suppose the thing that I was thinking this week is just about, you know, it's fine to talk about your purpose and talk about your vision and your dream and stuff. And, and sometimes people have a very clear vision and sometimes people just have interests and they're not really sure how to transform that into a job or a career or whatnot. But, um, you know, I think a lot of times in life, things can feel like obstacles, you know, things like on your path, there's going to be big stones and there's going to be, you know, holes in the ground and, you know, metaphorically speaking, I just, you know, I think there's been a lot of those for me as a person, a lot of those for me as a writer. Um, and there's obviously been many years in which I took massive detours that in the end, I don't think I would have, I, well, I know you, you wouldn't be where you are now if you hadn't taken the detours you'd taken, you'd be somewhere else. Do you feel that the detours set you back or were the detours were detours that had to happen in order to make you who you are now? Well, I think, you know, that you can't separate the aspects of, like, things happen holistically, Hmm. you know? So, for instance, I spent five, six years um, studying at Cambridge. So we we ended up at Cambridge. My husband had a job there. After six months, my, like, hang out and work because you're 20, you know, visa had run out. And I'd always really wanted to do graduate work. I'd always, I just loved school. I loved studying. I wanted to be an academic. This is like my plan for, you know, what I thought was a sensible career choice. So I found somebody to work with and I got accepted and did my master's degree and then did my PhD. And I look back on that time and I think there's so many amazing things about it. I mean, I learned how to I learned a lot about how to write complex things like in the process of writing my PhD. And yet that is not what I want to do. I'm glad I did it. And I, it was one of those things that, you know, people have, I want to run the marathon. I want to climb Everest. You know, for me, it was, I want to do my PhD. I have no idea where that idea came from, but there were a lot, there are a lot of things that it did, did set me back. But here's a couple of things I'm hearing out of this, and I think this is common with a lot of people, is there's that, um, and we were talking, because we both have kids, and and they've kind of making the journey through the education system and all that, and some of it, as, you know, listening to your story there, is there is maybe something with this sort of culturalization, society, and what's practical and what's realistic, and having that voice of, you know, go to university, get a sensible job, um, save up your money... And then you can then retire and have a good life after you've given your life to the man. Uh, not that I'm a bit... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, doesn't, that. That, doesn't, that doesn't resonate at all with you, does it? No. Um, and, and so we have that playing, but then there's probably a voice inside our head of a thing that we've always, that we have a, a dream and something that we've wanted to accomplish and to do, but it doesn't seem to sit with what, we, what expectations of either our parents or society or someone else that you look up to and it doesn't meet their it doesn't in your mind doesn't seem to fit their expectations and so I think a lot of us find ourselves going down a a different path 
than the one that we would have chosen to travel based off of the expectations that other people have and had so, on I us. I think sometimes we don't know that there are other people's expectations or because they don't necessarily always come from a specific person in our life, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, both my parents are like, do what you want, be, you know, follow your dreams kind of parents. I was really nurtured and lucky in that way. So, you know, there wasn't like someone in my life particularly, but it's just the whole way our society is. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's all those influences. It'll be your parents, it'll be... And the realities the of culture, you have to earn money. You all know? Of that. Well, yeah, society and the way the rules are sort of set up, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I suppose the thing is... But is, you were saying that you think it set you back. Well, I think that... It, it, I suppose it's the way I look at things. I, I think of, in the same way about person, like aspects of my personality of everyone's personality you have these certain things that you're like like for instance I'm a a kind of an introvert and so that helps me in a lot of ways but it also makes a lot of things much more challenging for me and so there's kind of two sides to every thing that you can't really separate and say oh this helps me because I don't mind being alone and I'm actually that's how I write But it also makes other things a lot harder. And I, I do feel like that about Cambridge. I feel like my time there, I would never give it up because I got so much out of it in terms of my skill as a writer. But it was not, you know, and I have a, a, a few, like, really dear, amazing friends mm. out of that part of my life. But I would say overall... It is not a nurturing <laughs> and kind of it's not really wasn't an inspiring environment for me it was a very you know competitive tear other people down um, for pittance really yeah. kind of environment and I think it took me a long time of being away from that environment before the voices in my head that told me that I was crap that everything I wrote was crap that you know it took me a lot of work to actually get those voices out of my head. I mean, yeah. everybody has them to a certain extent, but that period of my life really turned up the volume, yeah. I think, and put some new voices in my head as well that I just yeah. don't want there. So it's an that, interesting yeah. thing with that is, and, and I guess it, they're, they're grinding coffee again. <laughs> um, we can't complain about that. It's so no, good. No, it's so good. It's so good. You, can't, you can't complain at all. Um, because it, I guess there's a you know th- that you went there and, and uh, maybe there was something so the challenge that I, I will I usually throw out to people on that is you know if what did you learn that's been useful to you that you've that you've now incur- so if you think about life as a journey which we're all on this journey and you took this and I guess it's a you know you can consider it a detour but you went there but there was something along that particular part of the path that you needed to pick up to learn to oh yeah yeah, yeah. no into. I have no doubt about that yeah. and I like I say I wouldn't change anything I yeah. wouldn't go you know I think and I think you know I I wasn't ready at that point to take that leap as a writer and I probably wasn't ready skill wise yeah so I needed more training and I needed you know to go through that I suppose what I mean is that by recognizing the certain aspects that were difficult about it as kind of these were the obstacles that I had to overcome in that part of my journey. Yeah. Like they were obstacles. They were like... Well, what's it, what specifically, what obstacle? Give us an example of uh, well, one of your for obstacles. for instance, yeah. like the way that, this is like, I could go off on academia, but um, the way that I experienced the academic system 
is that as a graduate student and once you finish in our lecture and stuff, when you're presenting a piece of work, you get points in the crowd, like, I don't know what these points are, but you get points or, you know, kind of social capital for f picking holes in people's stuff. So it's a culture that breeds and encourages negative, destructive, picking apart, tearing down things, hmm. rather than looking for the good, looking for the positive, looking for what has moved forward. Now, not everybody's like that, but I think overall, in general, the culture is very much like that, and I am not like that as a person, but in that culture, I started to not like aspects of myself. I, I started having thoughts that would come into my head about how I was going to pick apart somebody else's work so that I would... Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just, you know, and it's... It, I, think I suppose a lot like a part people, of you could say that, that was, that's part of your training to coming into your own self. So perhaps, being yeah. into that, you perhaps. got to learn more about you. Yeah. So you're in that environment. You've learned some more stuff about yourself. And, and, and it I certainly learned like where I didn't want to be. Yeah. 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 And yeah. So how did you, how did you pick yourself, extract yourself from that environment? What internal skills that you use? I, I think I really hit a point there because, you know, so then I, I finished my PhD and at that exact moment, my supervisor moved jobs and so there was a vacancy that needed to be filled for just a few years before there was going to be a complete restructuring and that job was going to kind of effectively not be there. So as a very junior person I was actually hired for a few years to teach. So I kind of shifted into then teaching and stuff and I think it was during that time when I kind of saw the like beyond just the student side of things but that this culture like continues mm. I just had a moment of thinking if I stay in this environment and in this career I'm never going to be able to write because I, I you know I think we all have to know our kind of where we're strong and where we struggle and protect those parts of ourselves. you know be realistic about what you can take and I knew enough about what was like happening inside my own head yeah. as a result of being in that environment to just be like, no, I can't. I don't want this to be a part of who I am. But did you? So did you just say, well, that's so it. I left I'm it. Went, so jumped. Lemington was my uh, yeah. <laughs> little because some people would country. struggle with that. Some people would find themselves, and I'm sure there's listeners that will find themselves that they're probably stuck in a quagmire, mired in this, and either don't have the will or don't have the belief to, be honest, to, it's a, to step it's, out of it. It's funny because there's not because academia doesn't involve money. It's even more strange, but I think this kind of phenomenon of the scarcity of, you know, the fear that there's only a few positions, there's only a few spaces for people, and everyone's climbing up the ladder and shoving people out of the way, mm. you know, um, it's common. Yeah. So, you know, I had but it's a really similar realization from my army career. We were explaining about mm. when you were saying how. Um, yeah, you knew that that wasn't the space that you needed to be in. And I remember, and I can very clearly remember when that spot happened for me in the military. Because all my, when, you know, growing up and 
coming to West Point and all that. The whole thing, all I wanted to do was, you know, go up through the ranks, be a general, and 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 that. The army was like my life. Um, and it was I was a first lieutenant at the time, and we were getting ready to deploy to Bosnia. And I was on the battalion staff, so I was a staff officer at the time, assistant operations officer. But I had to go over to brigade, brigade, which is the next level higher. And then I was watching, so I was a, I was a first lieutenant, and I was watching a bunch of captains, majors, and lieutenant colonels all on their hands and knees, crawling around on the floor over these maps of of of, of um, you know Bosnia and, and the like, mm-hmm. and. And it was something that was so, uh, I don't know what it was, it just seemed so absurd that there was these grown men crawling around on the floor marking up this map. And I was thinking, is that what I want to do with the rest of my life? Because someone said to me when I first, you know, when they just got my commission, is that the best time that I'll have in the army is as a second lieutenant platoon leader. And... And to this day, I think they were absolutely right because the things that I joined the army for was in that space because it was all frontline. You were with people, and it was, you know, you were doing those things. You weren't crawling on the floor on your hands and knees and writing on maps. Which the reality, and I guess this is what it was for me, was the reality was after your troop time, and um, that was going to be the rest of your life was going to be a staff officer, and I just didn't, just didn't work for me. But it was just so. Like, I don't know, it was just, it was such a I weird think, thing. Yeah. It was weird because it was, you know, you, the seriousness of what we were doing, but then grown men on their hands and knees crawling around, marking up on the map something that maybe, you know, your your kids are crawling around on the floor, yeah. marking on paper with yeah. crayons and stuff. And I was like, how absurd is this? Um, and then it was then that I resolved that I thought, it, you know, it was time for me to get out. that you realize the massive cloud of discontent that you've been, like, harboring inside mm. for a long time. It's not that it all comes on a sudden, but it's, like, for me, it was a, a big realization all of a sudden. Like, I, I really need to get out of this. This is not good. It was a hard thing, and I'll tell you why it was that. hard. Because my identity was so tied up in the Army, and we're all... And we, we're culturalized. They worked to, really hard to do that too. But, but sure. to never to quit, yeah. right? And so, in most jobs, if you're done with the job, you say, "All right, I want to move on." And so you, you know, you, you know, you hand in your notice. But and it's not quitting. You're just handing in your notice because you want to move on. But for this, it was just you know, I, I was on the verge of breakdown because it was just everything that I was raised to do within that environment was about winning and never quitting and never giving up and 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 it was hard to do because that's what it felt like and that just went against everything that I was you know to be so um it was a real it was a real struggle and um I remember at my point of just kind of really breaking down I just sat on on the stairs in our house it was in Black River New York and I just couldn't move because it it was, I knew that I needed to get out of the environment, but my whole self-concept was, you know, winner, never quit, and, you know, take your skirt off, that kind of mentality. And so I was just so, well, yeah, I was stuck to the point of not being able to literally move because it was such a hard thing to do because I was breaking my identity. And, but but I knew that I needed to go, so it was it was it was that was probably 
and I've done a lot of things, you know, jumping out of airplanes, blowing things up, and, you know, not having food for days at a time, lots of really hard things, and that was probably the hardest thing that I ever had to do was, was that, which in essence should have been a simple thing of just saying, hey, I'm done, I've finished my time, and now I want to leave, <laughs> but yeah. that was the hardest thing that I've had to do ever. I don't think I've had to do anything as hard as that since then. That was probably the hardest thing ever to do. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's strange because I think that, you know, like you're saying, it's, you know, it's the old, uh, you know, the butterfly has to struggle to get out of the cocoon yeah. and then fly, whatever. But, you know, I think that these things... That there, we we do find ourselves with obstacles in life. That that you know, and I think also there's times when you have to be non-reactive. I think and kind of step back for a minute and be like, okay, what is like you know, what can I change? What do I need to accept? Because you know, another kind of and I, it's weird to think of it as an obstacle. Um. I'm pointing at Sarah Beth because she drank all the water. Did I drink that one too? You drank both <laughs> sets of water. So I'm going to finish this one off. She's greedy. There's my obstacle. I'm thirsty. And my <laughs> podcasting partners drank all the water. You have some more coffee. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, what was I saying? No, I think it's weird to think about it as an obstacle, but another big change and shift for me was, was motherhood and, and in a way there were a lot of obstacles in that period of my life with super young kids I mean my kids are still young they're yeah. five and, and almost three but you're in those early beginning. exactly but in those <laughs> early years when you're really like almost have to devote yourself 100% and I didn't go back to the job that I had at the time I had my first son so I've kind of for years at a time, which is a long time when you're in it. I know I'm going to look back at some point and be like, oh, it was like a blip. But, you know, when you're in that world of responding every day and you're on a 24-hour clock and there's no, there's no sleep time. You know, time. something that I would like to do on one of these episodes is, because I'd be interested, because I think it's a, I would like to hear a point of view from a like mother versus father and how mm. how we see the interactions with kids and the raising of, of them. I think that would be an interesting point of view to explore. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it's been a big it's been a big role for me. It's been a big mm. job. It's probably the most important job I really have, you know. And But there were a lot of obstacles to the other paths that I was pursuing in my life, and including writing. Let me ask writing. you this. Well, what, what is an obstacle? Because I, I know we're saying the obstacles, and that can mean a whole lot of things. So what specifically are we meaning about obstacles in this things instance? Things that prevent us from moving forward, maybe? Okay. I don't and know. do you find those things to be physical things, or mostly things that are in, exist inside your own head? Well, this is, this is why I'm kind of bringing up this example because I think for the most part, it's exist in your own head. Hmm. For the most part, the obstacles that I have, you know, and this is this is Buddhist thinking too that there's there's practical levels of dissatisfaction that you know people get sick and it sucks to be sick. Yeah. And you know, people get injured or, you know, stuff happens. But the majority of our discontent 
is actually self-created. And I, I, f- I find that to be true yeah. for myself. But I feel like the challenge for me with the whole motherhood thing was that I had to really just accept that right now I was not going to be a writer. Yeah. For a little while, I really had to take a break. And there were a lot of things. I was pursuing my yoga teacher training and starting my meditation training and stuff. And, or, you know, like so study, I guess So we know that these obstacles exist in our head. And you know that you've, throughout your journey now, that... that once in your head you unravel whatever it is that's holding you back, is there some way to take that resource so that the next time you come up against an obstacle that you don't have to spend you know, so much time dealing with that obstacle? I do think that I'm a lot more aware and patient, although this is in this particular scenario, so a new, completely different scenario, or in the in the disguise of a different scenario comes in, I don't know, hopefully I'll recognize it for what it is, but I do think that, you know, people do have serious challenges where it's not the right time and you do have to wait. And then it, you, I think the real difficulty is, in your own mind being able to discern, am I just making this up? Am I, you know, yeah. or is this actually real? And for me, it was, like, I, I have this, this sounds really, like, kind of silly, but I, so we moved, when my second son was three months old, we moved back to Lennington from Glasgow, and we were literally, like, down the street from this local pub and around the corner from two of our friends. And I was like, oh, great, I'm going to be able to, like, pop out occasionally for a drink, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I found myself one evening, and it was the first evening actually, it was probably he was maybe five months old or something like that, and I thought, I'm going to go out for a drink. And, you know, I'm breastfeeding, like, you know, there's no schedule. You're trying to get him used to alcohol early, huh? Well, you know, I I just wanted to get out of the house. You know, I wasn't even probably going to drink anything. But all I remember is I walked across the street, met my friend, sat down, started having my drink. My husband calls me. The baby's screaming, and I can't, you know. yeah. So I come back, settle him down. Okay, it's sleep again. I go back, you know, it's like half hour later. But literally within 10 minutes, another call. I was like, I'm going home. See, that's that's the difference between mother this and is, father. But you know what the thing is? There, there are instances, there are times in people's life, not only with this, but when you have to recognize, like, you're the mom and you have a five-month-old baby and he's not going to be five months old forever, but he is right now, and you got to go home. Yeah. And just be home, you know? Yeah. And I just went home, and they were like, oh, come back, come back. And I was like, I'm not coming back. Yeah. You know, I've got to accept where I am or I'm going to go crazy and just be mad that well, I can't do the other thing that I want to do. I think there's um, there's a bit of stuff that, that I would, would challenge in there, not uh, only in the terms of a, a sort of language aspect, but I guess what I want to... So the point that I want to make is about this idea of, of things that are in our heads, right? Um, and how we choose to view um, a situation. And I'll just talk about the Stoics very quickly in that um, if you're familiar with, with, with Stoicism one of the things in there is about what you just you mentioned a little while back was about being able to um, separate the things that are under your control and the things that are outside of your control Yeah. and it's not so much about acceptance because acceptance almost has a connotation that there's nothing I could do about it 
um, like almost a defeatist bit mm. as opposed to understanding the reality of there are some mm-hmm. things that are into my control so that's not in my control so I'll put that over there because it's mm-hmm. not in my control and then focus exclusively or nearly exclusively on the things that are within my control which generally breaks down to the things that are in your head and then if there is a middle one but there's some things that you can influence but you don't have complete control over but to spend the majority of your time in life in general focus on the things that are within your control and you know I think in that instance almost nothing was in my control in the outer aspect like I was 100% responsive to what that baby needed at that yeah. point and I do think there are people that are are caring for sick family members that are in certain I, I can't imagine all the different scenarios in which you are just in a in a temporary zone where there's not that much you can control for a brief time. Now, I don't buy that that's a true situation for a long period of time. But it is. But, but I think what I could control in that moment exactly. was my head. Exactly. And I could control, like, was I going to get all worked up about this? Yes. Or was I going to go, right now, yeah. I'm a mother, and this is what I'm doing. That's and that's it. great. And that's that is, fine. That is the key. The key is to know that those things that are not under your control are always there. But just leave them out out there don't try to internalize or try to force them yeah. or try to change the thing those things that you, but you can't you can't but exactly what you just said there you turn the attention back to self what is under my control you know what i'm a mother like being a mother and here's the things that i'm going to do as a mother and then focus on those and you'll find that in that instance when you make that shift where you're focusing on the things that are under your control your measure of contentment happiness kind of goes up because you don't you have you have control then and you have choice and yeah. and the like whereas if you spend your time focused on the things that you can't control then there's always that anxiety because you can't inf- you can't change the outcome you can't make someone do yeah. this you can't you, you can't make it happen the way that you want to happen because it's just not under your control yeah so I think that's the key and I think that maybe that's a good place to maybe sort of wind ourselves down yeah um, now for that is just to just to encourage people if you are at a place where you feel stuck or you, there's obstacles in your way, you know, to just sit down and, and list out even or in your head just say, well, what's under my control in this situation? What's not under my control? And then the middle bit is there's some stuff that I can influence and then shift the majority of your your thinking, your inner thoughts on the things that you can control because you can change those. You can, you can do something about those. And, and a lot of that is your mental state. Yeah. A lot of it, it could just be, depending on the situation, your mental attitude about the things that you have to do. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Good. I like it. I like this journey today. This is good. So, um, I think on another episode, I would love to definitely pick up on this this mother parenthood, parenthood yeah yeah mom dad Every, everyone, and everyone's got <laughs> got something to add to that whether oh, it's yeah, like yeah. as a, as a kid or yeah no absolutely yeah. okay so no fantastic so thank thank thanks for for sharing that and thanks everyone for listening um again always we encourage for participation just drop us some comments uh, below let us know what you think, what's yours to the feel, and what are some of the things that you may have done to help yourself overcome obstacles. So look forward to hearing from you.
Yeah, and if you want to know more about either of us, you can go to claylow.com or sarahbhunt.com. That's where a lot of stuff is yeah, about that's us. Yeah, we hang out online. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to the next one. Excellent. Good. See you there.